0: I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. You may know Dr. Elisa Pressman through her incredible podcast, Raising Good Humans, where she talks to experts in parenting and she uses a science and evidence-based approach to give her expertise and her parenting advice. I love it. I swear by it. But I know Elisa because she is one of my closest and dearest friends for a very, very long time. And I'm also so lucky because when my first son was born now 14 years ago, Way before she was an author or a podcaster or even a doctor, we formed a moms group that she led with myself, my son who was a baby, and some friends and their babies, and we still meet once a month with Eliza, who gives us advice and tells us what to do with the pressing problems that we sometimes listen to. We give each other advice. At this point, it's like a total free for all, but it is something that I cherish. And I know that all of the women in the group feel the same way. And we're so unbelievably proud of Aliza and to have watched this journey happen for her. And she is now the author of The Five Principles of Parenting, The Five Principles are relationship, reflection, regulation, rules, and repair, which come together to form the big R, which is resilience. And if you don't have kids, if you do have kids, if your kids are grown, what's interesting about this episode is we really talk about the idea that this is all great for kids. And Lisa's a developmental psychologist, so her focus is on kids. But so much of parenting is really about being an adult. It's really about being the adult in the room, parenting yourself, figuring out how to emotionally regulate yourself and repair so that you can be a really good parent, but also to see yourself, to be mindful, to see how you behave, what your triggers are, what are your behaviors? Are you a resilient person as a grown-up? And learning on the job as a parent is one of the most eye-opening things you can do. And then you can take all of these skills and lessons and the things that you learn through the book, through Elise's podcast, through the experience of being a parent and a grown-up, and apply it into all of the relationships of your life, whether it's work or people who work for you, personal relationships, friends, partnership. It, it really applies in all areas. And it's really just about being able to stop, look at yourself, look at how you're behaving, look at your thoughts, and figure out where they're coming from, regulate yourself, and then create resilience in yourself. Anyway, I'm giving away the entire episode, but this was really fun for me. A because I love Elisa so much, and so if you're you know, it's a very sort of casual type of conversation and and easy because she's the best and. Because I got to have the opportunity to tell her how much I love her and how much I appreciate her for all these years and how all the women in our group feel the same way. And also Mm -hmm. how proud I am of her because she really works so hard. And in this time of life, when there's so much in high pressure parenting out there, she's such a voice of reason that's comforting and gives you confidence, but also doesn't make you feel bad about yourself if you messed something up or if you didn't do it right or you overreacted. So thank you, Aliza. And I love you. I think we should disclaim that like, you're one of my best friends. And yeah, so- I, I think that's a good thing to acknowledge. We can acknowledge that. And that this book initially was a totally different undertaking that was going to be based on the parenting group that you have led for some of our friends for the past 14 years?
1: Yeah, yeah, 14 years.
0: So Elisa, before she was the renowned author of Five Principles of Parenting, when you were first starting out, started with mom groups for new parents. And so when my first son, Gavin, was born, who's the same age as your second daughter, Vivian, we had a mom group that you... Created actually the same group of women has met once a month for 14 years with you leading this group and telling us
1: how to parent. And it's funny because I would love a different framing of not so much leadership as just facilitating and supporting, not telling you how to do it.
0: (laughs) Well, that's very you. (laughs) You facilitate and you support that you're not prescriptive and you're also not telling people how to do it in a way that makes them feel bad. You leave so much room. It leaves so much room for people to become themselves. And that's what's so interesting because our group, everyone is a different version of parent, but we all clearly are like basing our parenting off of your modeling
1: and how you tell us to do it. I did. Oh my God, stop saying that. This is <laughs> hilarious. So you could say it, whatever you want, because I would never tell you what to do. <laughs> um, but you I- push did, us in the right direction. I did have like- parenting archetypes in the book that were inspired by and certain stories that I think were inspired by some of our experiences and the different kinds of personalities, just to show that there's just such a range. There's no one right way. And we all have like a a different spin, but your particular group, it just felt like it has every type under the sun.
0: But I think what's so awesome about you and the book and the information that you give is that It's not your opinion necessarily. It's science-based. It's evidence-based always. It's like, take what you want out of this information. Let go of the idea that you have to be perfect. I'm not going to tell you you're doing something wrong. I'm just going to present you the options and what what (laughs) is best according to the experts. But
1: like leave room for being human. Yeah. And your values. Like we might have different goals and values. So something that I'm saying might not resonate with you because it doesn't feel like something you want to focus on or it feels like something you want to focus more on than I might want to focus on.
0: So for those who don't know,
1: what is a developmental psychologist? Nobody knows because most people think of psychologists as therapists or clinicians who are doing evaluations and interventions. So developmental psychology is this tiny little... I think it's like 5% of psychologists are developmental psychologists. And we focus on change over time and how you come to be who you are and think about like the social, emotional, and cognitive development of the human. It's not a disease lens. It's not a what? I'm sorry. Disease lens. Disease lens. And how
0: we become ourselves. How much of what we become as ourselves is parenting versus
1: temperament? Temperament is... You know, you come into this world with a way of responding to the environment, like the physical environment, the emotional environment, that's temperament. And that is not, that's pretty stable over time. It can shift a little bit with parenting, but you're not going to turn an introvert into an extrovert because of your parenting or a really adventurous person into a cautious person. I guess you could after many times of scaring the daylights out of someone, but in general, like you can't turn a hermit crab into a social butterfly and vice versa. However, your parenting has an influence. It's the most powerful environmental influence there is on your children, but it's not everything. So it's not like there's a formula of like with your parenting, 72% of, you know, it's not like that. We just know that it's the most powerful. So what that power is, is varying. And we, we don't know for sure. It really depends on what the circumstances are, context, everything. But we know that your parenting influences temperament insofar as how that temperament comes to express itself.
0: I get what you're saying. So like you could be the worst version of yourself or the best version
1: of yourself, depending okay. on how your parent interacts with you. Yeah. That's true. I think we can go as far as saying, you know, you can bring out the best, or you can, even in the most well meaning way, sometimes pull out those things that you didn't mean to. But I think what's great about environmental influences is they're always able to change. And you can change yourself as a parent
0: over time, which I think is going back to our group. It's interesting having had that like through line for so many years because the kids are the same kids. And the parents are the same parents and you can see how you have to change and swerve over time as they get older and you have to face the same thing over and over again that is your like core fear or the way the parenting, like your temperament, your fear, your anxiety
1: and watch how it affects each child differently too in your own house. Mm -hmm. I think the best way to believe in temperament is to have a second kid. Yeah, that's very true. That's very, that's very true. My kids could not be more different. I think one gift that not to say that you have to have more kids, You, you know, everybody can just look at other kids. But when we do the thing where we're sort of like, this is my fault or this is because of me and I'm so proud of myself when it comes to something going right or wrong, we're forgetting like that other huge part of this, which is that these kids are their own people. And we don't get to decide who they are.
0: What are the five principles?
1: Well, Jenny. Tell me the the five five principles. principles. I'm going to tell you. So the five principles I chose from the science and I wanted to make sure that they were like so tried and true and robust and decades old. And we've only continued to get more and more convinced of these principles mattering. And I also chose ones that are in our control because I don't love telling people certain things are good or bad for kids and then say, but there's nothing you can do about it. So I chose things that are in our control, that are teachable and that move the needle on resilience. And those are relationship, reflection, regulation, rules, and repair. And obviously they come in different forms because I wanted to choose our words, but you might've heard sensitivity you might've heard attunement. You might hear connection. You might hear attachment. They're all different ways of saying relationship.
0: And repair
1: is one that I've
0: really worked on with my kids where it's the coming back together and making sure that like, we're all good. And yeah, that- you're still connected. Totally. Yeah, because all parents lose their temper. Yep. And all parents put their own shit on their kids. <laughs> And all parents uh, have bad days. That's right. And so of them, not that all of them aren't really important, but I've really like found repair to be one that like in my soul feels very important.
1: I think it's because it's so hopeful.
0: Yeah. And it again, it's like, I haven't done anything that is going to like destroy your life.
1: We're going to be able to get through it together. So here we are. Let's start again. That's right. And that's the thing is like the question of like, how many times has somebody come to me and said, here's what happened? Did I just screw up my kid? And so the answer is almost always no. And I think that relationship and repair really allow for that check-in because we know terrible things happen all the time, unfortunately. And that even in the context of this incredibly, I, I don't have a better word for it, just absolutely catastrophically terrible environment that kind of gets thrust upon everyone, we still see so much resilience. And the defining feature is this very strong relationship with one adult in your life, preferably your primary caregiver. And that that can move the needle from toxic stress to tolerable stress, which means that your child isn't quote unquote screwed for the long haul because of an event, because they have that connection. And the reason they have that connection in this relationship is because when they disconnect with you or you know when you disconnect from them, you have repair. So it's really meaningful in a profound way. And we see this in brain science. So the idea to me that relationship can have that big of an influence to just move some kind of terrible experience from being toxic to tolerable, that is everything to me. So we
0: talk about kids but I I want to move a little bit into the parents because mm-hmm. there's so much pressure on the idea of like parenting yeah right and not all the women at the second shift are parents specifically of younger children too but 86% of the women are parents of some sort and we were just talking about when you're going through this experience of having a child you specifically talk about not reparenting yourself, but really how much you grow and how much you learn about yourself and how much you are responsible in the dynamic of parenting and how much you can learn and then apply that to all of the other circumstances of your life. I mean, whether it's like intimate relationships or it's in the workplace and how you deal with your boss or people that you're managing, you're the same person, Mm -hmm. that you are in all of those environments. And so much of what you can learn through the experience of parenting your child is so
1: important on a macro level. Yeah, I think we just don't have as much invested necessarily until we're like, oh my God, I'm so much more motivated because I'm raising this human being and I now I really want to understand how to connect or I really want to understand regulation or I really want to understand reflection and repair, whatever it is, or rules, because those are really important, especially in the workplace or in relationships, those boundaries. So I think, It could be the five principles and it doesn't need to be a particular age. The examples that I used in the book tried to, you know, I wanted to have practical applications. So I used examples that were parenting and that were typical challenging situations over the years, but those are core principles for peopling. They should help you in any kind of interpersonal relationship.
0: And you, as a parent, you get like thrown back at yourself as a mirror the ways in which you aren't self-regulated, let's say, or you're not good at repair. And if you're mindful and you're thinking about your own experience as a parent or a person, you can see very clearly in the experience you have with your child, all the things that you are maybe unhealed in
1: and can work on. That's right. And that's why reflection was one of the big principles, because when you can do that, and that is, in some ways, it is a reparenting of sorts. This book for me was very much, I really love the parents and mothers, mostly mothers, let's just be honest, that I work with. (laughs) And so in some ways, it's also a love letter of just like, we are all growing and changing. We're born as parents the day our kids are born or the day we decide that we're a parent And also we wouldn't expect of our kids for everything to kind of go right out of the gate any more than we should. That's ridiculous. When you're new at a job, you're not perfect at a job and you never become perfect. You just, I think get better and more confident and more competent at a job, which is just part of growth. And then yeah, time just allows that and practice allows that. And in, this meta way you fall and bounce back enough times, you're like, oh, I'm a little bit more robust than I thought as a parent, as a person, as a colleague, as a partner, and so is everybody else. And you just get better at all of the different components that strengthen the relationships. But you're just extra motivated when you have kids, I think, to practice these things and to ask yourself and to be really reflective about like, why is it that these particular things set me off more than others? Or why do I shut down when I meet this type of challenge versus others. And once you figure that out, like reflection is very much the mindfulness part of this. And I think you could accidentally say it's not as important as the other components, but a person who is not reflective, who's not paying attention and taking a pause so that they can have the freedom to make choices that feel good for them. That is not a person who is fully growing. It isn't a person who's as easy to be in relationship with. And it isn't a person who's as nice to themselves. You just can't be as self-compassionate if you aren't reflective.
0: I love that. What we live in an era of like really high pressure on new parents, especially, where there is so much content out there that is incredibly negative or just takes it from the point of view of you're doing something wrong and here's how you fix it. And I, what I love about you is that you really never have done that and you continue not to do that. And that's something I don't do with like my platform where it's very easy to tell people to scare them and to then use that opportunity to fix it and to get the attention. And that's what social media is built for. Yeah. But what it does is it's not optimistic. It's not hopeful. And it also, it's preying on people's fears. And as the person who listens to women and moms freak out because they can't get everything done, they're failing as parents, they have to quit their job, they have to, you know, do all the things because they can't do it right. Based on some completely bogus, Idea of what it's supposed to be and standard—it's not realistic, and it preys upon insecurity, like you just said. The, the lack of reflection, the lack of healing that you have, and you're so vulnerable as a new parent. And I mean, to a lesser extent, but as your kids get older, they're the issues that they face are
1: scary. Err, yeah, so it's still, it's still new, and it's still it's new for all of us because issues are new because technology is newer and life circumstances just keep getting thrown at us in a way where we're like that's never happened. Yeah, so- how do I
0: help my kid do this? And so when I see it through the lens of the let's go with moms cuz let's be honest that's be where honest. where who who <laughs> who we are and and our you know experience. How do we give people the opportunity and the grace to like cut themselves some slack, turn the volume down on all of it? You do it so well with your own kids and they are incredible people. And so your experiment has worked. That's terrible. (laughs) Experiment has worked. Watching it from the outside.
1: Oh my God. They're always like, whenever I blow it with my parenting, they're like, should we uh, announce this? (laughs) Should we announce this as a sales pitch? (laughs) Um, no, I, I love that there's content for parents, particularly new parents, because you are at your most vulnerable. There's too much, there's too much noise. It's really hard to distinguish between what is important and what really matters and what is interesting or what's absolutely not even true or is true for the person delivering the content because that's their value, but it's not yours. And what I wanted to do with this was really distill it down to the things that we actually know move the needle. If you micromanage anything and you get super into the minutiae, you can really lose your bigger picture goals. And so I also want to remind people, sometimes we cling to the minutiae details of what's happening in our children's lives. And again, this translates to anything else in a way that makes us feel like we have more control. So I understand it, but I just want to make sure that everybody knows it's not actually scientifically relevant. It's not going to change the big picture long game. And so we don't need to be so hard on ourselves when we can't focus on those small details because, you know, life happened. And I really didn't want to give no it content. I'm in a very funny place because I know that there's an inundation and we're optimizing parenting and we're optimizing everything and we commodify all of this. And it's very hard to feel good about yourself as a parent if you're hearing constantly how much better you could be. And also I do want to turn so much of the volume down. And also I don't want to say nothing or give no information because I think we do have some pretty robust science. That's good to know. I would want to know. So I kind of am trying really hard to capture a space between the chaos of not knowing anything of no guidance and just being told you've got this go with your instinct, which isn't very fair either. And the other side of it, which is this rigid sense that there is one right way and it requires constant scripts and constant check-ins. And I think if you could find a way between that, that's where you would find my book. And I also think even if the way I speak makes you feel less than you should shut it down.
0: I don't think you've ever made anyone feel less than, just so you know. I really don't. I think that you're like, you come at everything from such a place of like empathy and compassion and good humor. Like there's a lot of lightness. You know, there's obviously times where you are, Serious, where you're like, you know, this is how you talk about serious topics. And, you know, not everything is light and airy, but it's a softer way to think about parenting. And I think we live in such hard times and life is hard. And to just make everything seem like it has to be a struggle instead of relishing the joy of it and the hopefulness and beauty of being a parent and a person. And, you know, we choose this experience. And we should enjoy it and we should try to do it as best we can, but like not make it a miserable.
1: Yeah. And I think the funny part is, is that when you do like a little bit less of a perfect job, you end up being a parent who can actually enjoy the experience of raising their kids with the understanding that sometimes it's just really hard and that's just what it is. And then your kids benefit and your relationship benefits and you end up being a better parent. So in letting go, I really think that works. And that's, again, not to say that sometimes you're just like, just tell me what to do. Like I had a client who was texting with me because he and his partner were kind of trying to figure out an exact situation with like an exact number of minutes that this particular thing should happen and whatever. And I said, well, I want to know how both of you feel about it. And like, we can kind of meet somewhere in the middle. And he said, no, I just want you to tell me exactly what you would do. And I said, but that's fake news. Cause the science never has that much of like a, an opinion about things. That's kind of what's happened with this whole parenting industry. It's just gotten off the rails. And he was like, I don't care. Give me your fake news. That's what I need right now. I don't have time for this. And so when I wrote the book, I thought a lot about that so that I could find the space between, when I know that the right answer doesn't exist, but that the parent on the other side is too tired to believe that or to want that. So they're like, I get it for next time, but right now, could you just tell me exactly what it is? And so that was another learning experience. Like, yes, gives lots of room to be yourself and for the space for your own personal values and approaches, but don't give so much of it as freedom That parents are like, okay, but just, I need help with this particular thing. So I did want to give some clear guidance. I just never want it to be in the context of, if you don't do it that way, you suck. What did you used to say? 80-20? Was that the ratio? I I used to say 80-20 and now I've decided that's even incredibly generous. It really should be more often than not you're doing the things that make you the parent you want to be. Aren't we all
0: trying to do that and like be that person and be like the, not even just the parent, like the human being that we want to be. So setting a goal for yourself to become that person and to live that is important. And with like the ability to recognize that we're all fallible people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your kids are assholes.
1: Like it happens, you know? We all can be. And we all can be. And I think if we're paying attention to how we are in a day, like I had a lot going on yesterday and I was very distracted and I left my whole purse at the restaurant last night. I don't find that a surprise in any way. I'm sure your daughters did not either. (laughs) But the number of times they've done something that was that bird brained. And I have not had a moment of reflection to say, when I get overwhelmed, the first thing to go for me is my executive function (laughs) skills. (laughs) I'm just totally like, if I don't stop between transitions of things that I'm doing, something is going to fall through the cracks every time. And I have to be patient with myself about it. And I have to be patient with my kids because here I am at the ripe old age of 790 And I'm still making those ridiculous mistakes when I'm not able to pause and pay attention. It just is what it is. And so when you do those kinds of things, you just have to remember, oh, it's not like we're raising them and then this is all going to stop. When stressed, I still fall back on bad habits from being a totally, you know, like absent minded professor type, even growing up and in adulthood, but I also have to remember when my kids do it, that it's not the end of the world. And most of the time, the reason it annoys me is because I don't want them to end up like me and leave their purse at the restaurant. But isn't, that's the case with all things. When your
0: kid, most of the time when your kids annoy you, it's because really. Like, yeah, because you're, they're reminding you. Yeah, something they're doing you want some, mm-hmm. something annoying that you do that annoys you about yourself. Yeah. Okay resilience last question resilience why is that the most important why is it the big goal
1: i mean i do think people should walk through doing a family mission statement and a family value statement and personal value statement but the truth is that if resilience is not interesting to you this is probably not super relevant because resilience to me is the name of the game like can you keep going despite whatever's thrown your way if you can then let's make it as likely as possible that you know how to bounce back in the face of adversity, stress, and whatever is in the category of traumatic events for you. That I deeply believe is important. So when you think like, I want my kids to grow up to be what? I wanna set them up for resilience because that way, no matter what, they know they can go on And they still get to have like a life with joy and a life with all the good things that we wish for our kids because they're resilient. The onus is not on them to like just have that quality. That's just not how life works. And that's not what resilience is. It's a series of things, including the environment that you're in outside of parenting, your socioeconomic status, your race, your gender. I mean, there's so many factors that we have no control over but we do have control over the part of resilience that actually really, really matters, which is the caregiving environment. So that's why I just think it's worth it.
0: Okay, I love you. (laughs) I never, ever have the opportunity to do this because you hate being praised and get very cringed and uncomfortable. But I'm just gonna wrap this up by saying thank you. On behalf of myself and our whole seedlings group for the past 14 years, I can't tell you how many times like, you know, I'm not paying attention or whatever. I hear something, but then in the moment, your voice is the voice that I hear when I'm doing something that I'm like, I know exactly what to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. Aliza told me and it feels right. And I'm going to do that thing. And it it always works. And I know that our group has... Far past the limit when you told us that we needed to disband because we were past your actual expertise. (laughs) But I believe in you. And I know that this is something that probably we'll be in Seedlings Group talking about our grandkids. (laughs) Uh, So I know how hard you work. I know how truly authentic and like beautiful a person and how much you believe in the things that you're doing and how much love you put into it for yourself for your kids, for your friends, and for others. There's never a time that you're not available to answer a question. And I'm so proud of you. This is a huge undertaking, writing this book. You have always exceed expectations in every way. Uh, I think it's because you're the person who leaves your bag at the table. So people have such low expectations (laughs) often. (laughs) And then you come in and you do this incredible thing and you exceed every, blow everyone away all the time. And this is another experience of that for all of your friends and the people who love you.
1: Thank you. I love you.
0: Thank you. Go, go get your purse from the <laughs> I restaurant.
1: Got I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay, good.
0: <laughs> I realized it on the car ride home. So what we're doing is we're giving away copies of your book because obviously I pre-ordered 12,000 of them. <laughs> and so I'm giving them to the Second Shift members who listen to this podcast and rate and review it because we yeah. know that that's very important. Oh. And so then I'm going to give everyone I know this book because it's made a huge impact in my life and my kids who I think are like, you know, we're pretty resilient. I'm knocking on wood and thriving in this moment. You know, every moment's moment's moment, but in this moment. Oh my God. They're like hashtag raised by Lisa.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. I love you so much. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.